Hello, my field daisies. Welcome to the fifth episode of Daisyish Days, the podcast. Today's life lesson is about treating things with beginner's mind. So oftentimes in yoga, uh, the instructor reminds us to take each practice as if it was the first time. Um, Instead of thinking about um, how much we know, how much we don't know, it's really um, useful to go into uh, yoga as if it was the first time you've ever done yoga and to have that carefree, loving attitude towards it. And I think this really can be applied to a lot of things in life. Um, oftentimes, we get stuck doing the same thing over and over until it becomes dull and monotonous and uh, routine. And I think in order to break that, we really need to approach things as if a child full of imagination, of wonder, of excitement. And I know that is so hard to do. It is easier said than done. Um, but it's always good to have that, um, that kid-like spark of joy um, at discovering new things, even if it's the same thing. And with that being said, this brings me into the topic of today's podcast, and that is um, a book series. A book series that I have loved uh, for a very long time, and that is Artemis Fowl. Um, Artemis Fowl uh, is going to be a Walt Disney movie that is coming this August, and I cannot be more excited. So I will be diving deep into uh, the cast of the movie, uh, all these tidbits and breaking news about it, as well as my predictions of what we can expect from the movie and how it will differ from the books. So yeah, stay tuned. All right, without further ado, let's just get into it. Uh, roll the intro music. Thank you, Yara and Gibson, again for that wonderful intro song. And today, my field daisies, I'm going to be doing something a little different. So usually I reserve part three to be talking about my latest media obsessions. But today I'm going to be spending the entire episode talking about a latest media obsession uh, that has been a long time media obsession. And that is the Artemis Fowl book series. So there are eight books in the series with the first book being released in 2001. It is about a 12 year old boy genius who comes from a long line of criminals, Artemis Fowl II, who uh, wants to be the first human to not only see fairies, but also steal gold from them and restore his family fortune. And he does so by taking one of their lep recons, Holly Short, and holding her hostage. Um, uh, leprechauns is not what you think about uh, in uh, our society. Uh, in this world, LEP, L-E-P, stands for the Lower Elements Police and recon is the military term recon um 
fairies in this world live underground, which is the last safe place from us uh, mudmen. Their society and technology is vastly more advanced than ours, and they are a peace-loving people. So even though they have um, police and everything like that, uh, they don't necessarily shoot to kill. They don't like taking lives. They are a very... um, they, they hate pollution, that sort of thing. So they're very, very uh, uh, with this earth, I guess. And throughout the series, Holly and Artemis actually become uh, 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 unlikely allies, maybe even friends in a way. And they go on fantastical missions and adventures together. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything if you haven't read the book series yet, uh, but I will be doing that in part two, and I'll get into a little bit of that later on. Uh, But yeah, so I've read the first six of this eight book series. Uh, The last two uh, came out sort of when I stopped uh, reading for fun, so I never read the last two. So I'm currently rereading the series. I just finished uh, the first two books. Uh, It's kind of the same way as I was re-watching New Girl. Uh, I hadn't seen the last season of New Girl, so I wanted to re-watch all of it to make the last season more impactful. So I want to reread all the Artemis Fowl books before I read the last two, just to kind of get myself up to speed, because I haven't read these books in a really long time. But yeah, these books have been in my childhood for as long as I can remember maybe elementary school, maybe middle school. I just remember my brother bought uh, the, the books from a book fair at school. And yeah, I have one of the first editions that were published. So it cost $4 at the book fair. Now they're like $7 on Amazon. Uh, but I like the old, old covers a lot better than the new ones, but maybe I'm just biased. Uh, the old cover looks, uh, it has a shiny gold cover and it looks like an old book so there's a little keyhole and there's a like gold corners and it's really metallic-y and it's supposed to look like the holy uh fairy book um the berry the fairy's bible i would say that artemis ends up stealing in the first chapter um the new covers are a bit more cartoony and uh, they have Artemis and Holly on the cover uh, um, and a sticker with uh, a huge sticker with a soon to be a major motion picture from Walt Disney slapped on the front. So yeah, uh, if you didn't know, Artemis Fowl is coming to theaters near you uh, August 9th of this year in the UK and the US. Uh, It is said to be the next Harry Potter, but its fan base and numbers are a lot fewer than Harry Potter, I would have to say. I think they're just really trying to hype up the series, and don't get me wrong, I definitely think it deserves hype, but what kind of... Mm, like and and when I was growing up, uh, Harry Potter had such a cult following, but no one really geeked out over Artemis Fowl, and I think that's because uh, they really started the movie franchise really early on for Harry Potter, and so Artemis Fowl has been kind of this obscure uh, book because you know there wasn't really any movies about them until now. Um, what is it like? 18 years or so after the first release of the first book. 
Um, but yeah, I'm gonna be starting some riots with this statement, but I've never read any of the Harry Potters, uh, which is really surprising because I love fantasy and, um, sci-fi and whatever. I just, I don't know why I never read them. I was more of a Twilight girl, which is very, very embarrassing to say. Uh, but yeah, I just never got on that bandwagon and, uh, don't get me wrong, I will eventually read all the Harry Potters and watch all the movies, I promise. But yeah, when I was growing up, Artemis Fowl was my Harry Potter, I would have to say. Um, but yeah, in terms of numbers, it, it doesn't even compare to Harry Potter. So in 2014, they sold over 25 million books and they made uh, 2.9 million US dollars. I don't know how it's doing now, now that, that it's been announced that the movie is coming out. But for Harry Potter... Um, they have 500 million copies sold worldwide. So compare that to 25 million. Uh, but this was in 2014. So I don't know how it's doing five years later. But yeah, they've grossed uh, $7.7 .7 billion in book sales for the whole series. And that even trumped the box office total, which was $7.2 billion. Uh, yeah, so... I don't know how uh, Artemis Fowl is going to do, um, but if it can even do a fraction of Harry Potter, I would be very, very impressed. But Artemis Fowl isn't necessarily a new find for Hollywood. So this movie has been in the making uh, since the release of the first book. Uh, in 2001, Merrimack snapped up the film rights with the release of the first book. Harvey Weinstein was originally the one that picked up the rights uh, when he was ahead of Miramax during Hollywood's Harry Potter craze. And then Disney reacquired the rights in 2013 and attached Weinstein as the producer. But he was very much fired after the revelation of his extensive history of sexual assault and harassment. So I am really glad Disney did that. But yeah, Weinstein's name is very tainted in Hollywood now. I mean, he was the whole reason the Me Too movement started. Uh, but yeah, the movie ended up being fast-tracked. Um, following a dating announcement in September of last year, I believe, and then the October termination of Weinstein as producer. Uh, now, the producer is going to be Kenneth Branagh. Branagh? I'm really bad at pronouncing names, so my apologies, Kenneth, if I mispronounced your last name. But yes, he will produce the movie along with Julie, Judy, <laughs> Judy Hofland, uh, while Robert De Niro and Jane Rosenhall will act as executive producers. So, Ken Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> Uh, if you haven't heard of him, he is an actor, director, I think writer as well. He's, he's a renaissance man in the Hollywood industry. He has directed such blockbusters as the superhero film Thor, the action thriller Jack Ryan, uh, Shadow Recruit, in which he also co-stars. He's also directed the live-action film Cinderella, the mystery drama at the adaptation Murder on the Orient Express, which he also stars in. And he also starred in Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. He didn't direct that one, but he did star in it. Um... 
I'm really, really excited to see what he's going to do with Artemis Fowl. Um, in terms of actors for the movie, um, Artemis is going to be played by a boy named Ferda, Ferdia Shaw, and he's making his big film debut. Uh, he, uh, was picked after an extensive search with more than a thousand two hundred possible candidates. Um, I think they found him at a I Irish Ireland um, drama school or something. So Artemis Fowl is Irish, and so that's probably why they were looking in that general area. Um, so this kid is completely unknown, I would have to say. He has um, 2,712 followers on Instagram currently, but I definitely think after the movie is going to be released, he's going to get into the 100k million range quite quickly. Uh, Holly Short, the uh, Lep Recon fairy that he kidnaps, is going to be portrayed by 16-year-old Lara McDonald. Uh, Lara McDonald is also a bit unknown. She has 2,686 followers. Um, and it's interesting, um, Holly is about 100 years old-ish in the book. Um, and it's interesting that she's going to be portrayed by a 16-year-old. I think it makes sense, though, since fairies are quite short. Um, a really, really big change is that Commander Root, um, Holly's, uh, captain and boss gets a gender swap. So he now a she is going to be played by Judy Dench. She was in James Bond, the Skyfall movie, also murder on the Orient Express, Shakespeare in love. Um, she probably met Kenneth through murder on the Orient Express. Maybe that's why she got the role, but she is, um, I've seen a couple pictures of her playing the commander route and it is quite awesome um in the book uh there is a lot of stigma towards holly because she is the first female um recon officer and so root definitely picks on her a lot gives her a lot more um criticism because she is the first female and she's basically a huge huge deal in terms of where the police academy is going to be headed uh but how that it's 2019 the idea of being picked on for being the only female worker it doesn't strike a chord i think with today's society especially after the me too movement and so yeah i with colfer ian colfer the um the author of this book series with his blessing um they decided to gender flip the role and i think that's pretty pretty awesome i'm really glad that they did that even though a lot of the um I guess the dynamic between Commander Root and Holly Short is going to be vastly different now because, um, yeah, uh, Commander Root is um, kind of your stereotypical um, police officer chief. He is really, really hard on his officers. He's all about business. Um, he's known as Commander Root um, because his face gets beat red uh, when he is angry and he's angry a lot. And so, yeah, um, Ian Colfer was always very much involved with the development of the scripts. 
Uh, he was very aware that uh, the larger conversation about societal roles has moved on from the time when he wrote the first novel. And uh, yeah, this is all this Kenneth has said this, by the way, I'm just re reading what he said. And so yeah, in this day and age, a sense of identity, a sense of what her father did, her place in Haven City, her place in Leprechaun is as important as her gender identification. So her father was also on the police force. Um, yeah, that is that is a not that that is not the only big change. So Butler, um, he is the butler of Artemis Fowl. Um, he comes from a long line of butlers that have always served the Fowl family. Um, he's uh described as Euro Asian, so white in the book, but yeah, he's gonna be played by an African American. I don't know if he's African American. He's a black guy. His name is Noso Anosi. I'm so sorry, Nozo, if I mispronounced your name. But yeah, he was in the live action Cinderella that uh, Kenneth uh, directed. And he said that he's always pictured Nozo as Butler. And I think that is pretty cool, too, that they're adding some diversity into the book series. Um and then one of my favorite characters, uh, Malt Diggums, he is a dwarf and the dwarfs in this world. So they, um, they have these huge mouths and they basically, um, can eat soil like that's like the, their thing they like eat soil and tunnel they're they're like tunnel dwarfs that create tunnels whatever um but yeah and then and then all that excess soil becomes uh released through the derriere uh but yeah dwarfs in this world um they're 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 not they're they're kind of smelly creatures and they have a lot of cool little tricks i guess well i'll dive into that later on but yeah uh, mulch is a known criminal dwarf uh he is enlisted in or well um they seek his services basically because um he is the only one that can really enter artemis fowl's um uh, mansion manor uh because in the fairy uh holy book they can only enter a human's dwelling if they have their permission or else they lose their magic but mulch since he is a criminal um house burglar he's already forfeited his magic so he ends up playing a role in the first book as well as the second book um for his burglary uh, uh skills and so mulch will be played by josh uh gad and so you probably know him as olaf from frozen or beauty and the beast gaston's sidekick I personally know him from uh, New Girl. He played Bear Claw, <laughs> Bear Claw um, a guy that uh, Jess uh, turns down. So there's like this funny scene where Jess asks Nick for this guy's number, and he thinks that she means Bear Claw when she definitely did not. Uh, so yeah, if you don't know Josh Gad, uh, I think he is going to be perfect for Mulch because Mulch is a very um, down gritty um crass character so that should be really f interesting to see him play that um the big big kicker here is that uh the artemis fowl movie will combine the first two novels so artemis fowl and artemis fowl the arctic incident 
And so the first book is about、um, the kidnapping of Holly and stealing the gold, while the second book takes place a year later. Uh, when Artemis receives word that his father has been found and taken hostage by the Ruffin, <laughs> Russian mafia, so、uh, his father was lost、um, after trying to break into the Russian market and was shipping twenty-five two hundred fifty thousand cans of coke. A cola <laughs> to them.、Um, the mafia did not take kindly to an Irish man taking their business, and so they sunk the ship、um, with him on it. And it is presumed that he was dead. But yeah, no, they found him. He's being held hostage, and yeah, it's kind of ironic that Artemis held. Holly hostage, and now his father is being found held hostage, and so、um, yeah, it's about the rescue of his father. So down below in Fairyland, the lower elements police are dealing with goblin gangs trading with humans, which is a Big no-no.、Um, Holly catches a group of them with counterfeit batteries that are powering banned soft-nosed lasers. So,、um, like I said before,、um, the fairies are a peace-loving people, and their weapons, their laser、um, weapons that the police own, they're not. They're ten. They're designed to knock out the culprit unconscious. But soft-nosed lasers were designed for mining, and、um, they can actually kill. They can cut through you, and、um, yeah, you'd be. Very dead.、Um, so they believe Artemis might be to blame, and so they track him down for questioning.、Uh, and it is discovered he is not the boy behind the dealing. So they ask for his help to find the human responsible in exchange for them helping to rescue his father. And it is interesting that they're deciding to combine the two books in the first movie. I don't know exactly how I feel about that because I've always been a believer that you should you should really I don't know I I always find that the books are better than movies.、Um, there's just something about reading them, and there's just so much description, and it really breaks my heart when、um, movies don't follow books to a T. But I do see their reasoning because in the first book, it's mainly just an introduction into the fairy world, and it, now that I think, now that I've read the first two books over again, it kind of makes sense because the second book really dives deep. Into their world, as well as gives Artemis a bit of a humanistic quality.、Um, a boy who's lost his father and is desperate to rescue him, because、uh, in the first book he is very much the antagonist, very evil and cunning. Even though he does have some regrets for holding Holly hostage, he still does it. And so. The logline on Disney's website says that Artemis Fowl follows 12-year-old genius Artemis Fowl, a descendant of a long line of criminal masterminds, as he finds himself in a battle of strength and cunning against a powerful hidden race of fairies who may be behind his father's disappearance. Which is interesting because nowhere in the book is it even mentioned that Artemis thinks the fairies are the reason for his father's disappearance. So I'm wondering how they are going to tie that in. I really hope that that is not the reason why he kidnaps Holly. I don't know what they're going to do.、Um, but that leads me into part two,、uh, where I break down the two books and make my predictions on how Disney is going to combine the two into one film. 
because obviously they're going to be making changes um, as as every you know movie and scriptwriter has the liberty to do um, but yeah I'm going to try to guess uh, how they're going to combine the two so um, if you plan on reading the books uh, I would just stop listening to the podcast now because it's going to be spoiler alerts from here on out uh, as you can see there is only going to be two parts to this podcast episode uh, there will not be a part three so yeah um i'll probably insert um a little a little um a clip telling you where to scroll if you want to end up listening to the poem that i recite after each podcast um i'll give a little timestamp so you can just fast forward through part two but yes so we're going to take a short sincere shout out break this is going to be the only sincere shout out break of this podcast i am really switching up the format for this episode five but yeah stay tuned um if you want to hear me geek out more about Artemis Fowl. So yeah, bye. Okay, I said I was going to put an insert uh, if you want to listen to the poem but don't want to be spoiled about the plot of Artemis Fowl, just scroll to about 48 minutes and you should be fine. Okay, uh, let's get into this sincere shout out. So this first and only sincere shout out of this podcast episode is going to go to a product, not necessarily a brand, just a product in general, and that is tea tree oil. So tea tree oil, it's an essential oil that not only smells great, but it can also be used to treat acne, something that I found out uh, through watching a YouTube video. Um, uh, since we're talking about artist Miss Fowl, and he is a 12-year-old pubescent boy, um, yeah, acne is a normal part of puberty and if you suffer from acne i would highly recommend trying putting a few drops of tea tree oil on your um, pimples or whatever before going to bed it has worked for me like a charm so that's it <laughs> um back to the podcast Okay, so now we are going to get into the nitty gritty of the first two books and how the movie will try to adapt them into one film. So spoilers from here on out. Uh, before I get into the differences between the books and the movies, I feel like I need to explain what actually happens in the two books. So book one in a nutshell. Artemis gets his hands on the fairy holy book by tricking an alcoholic sprite in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. Artemis, being the genius he is, translates the book and discovers rules the fairies live by. I mentioned earlier that um, they're not allowed to enter a human dwelling without their permission, but also they have other powers such as mesmer, where they can mesmerize people or beings and get them to do whatever they say, and vibrating at such high speeds that they are invisible as well. Importantly, as the ritual they they do to renew their magic, which is to bury a seed from an ancient oak tree by the bend of a river. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so they stake out an oak tree and wait for a fairy to come, which ends up being Holly Short. Artemis takes Holly hostage. The fairies throw a time stop over the entire foul manor and try to get Holly back. Uh, they get Mulch, a tunnel-digging dwarf burglar, to enter the home since he has long forfeited his magic. He finds Holly is alive and a copy of the fairy holy book, which explains Artemis' extensive knowledge on their kind. After Butler defeats both 
the LEP retrieval team, and even a troll, think of an angry bear with tusks, uh, Artemis gets the fairies to give him a ton of gold in exchange for Holly. And not a ton as in a lot, but as in a literal ton of 24 karat gold. They agree, believing they can blue rinse uh, the place, which is basically a biobomb that kills all living things, and get the gold back when he is dead. But Artemis bypasses the biobomb by taking a sleeping pill, which takes um, him and his crew out of the time stop right before they detonate the biobomb. And because of fairy rules, they say once a human takes a fairy's gold, it is his to keep. He wins and the book is over. <sighs> Okay, book two. One year later, Artemis discovers that the Russian mafia has had his father in captivity. The fairy underworld is on high alert after discovery of goblins trading with humans, getting human batteries to power soft-nosed lasers, tools that were designed for mining but banned after weapon manufacturers started making them. Fairies are peace-loving. Uh, the LEP's weapons are designed to incapitate, not kill. And because goblins are extremely dumb, there has to be someone controlling them, and they believe Fowl is that someone. So they take him in for questioning when f and uh, Foley, the centaur, the tech genius that is behind all the technology at the LEP, scans his retinas for any images of goblins or soft-nosed lasers. He comes up clean. So the fairies ask Fowl for his help to find the human controlling the goblins and he agrees in exchange for them helping to rescue his father from the Russian mafia. Long story short, it is discovered that Brock Briar uh, Kudgen is behind the Goblin Revolution. He is not a peace-loving fairy and only cares about power. He was the acting commander during the Foul Siege, that, um, and he was the one that suggested bringing in the troll, which Butler annihilated, making Coogan... Uh, a laughing stock, and he becomes evil and bitter, vowing for revenge. So he enlists the help of Opal Kobai, Kobai, a uh, fierce uh, pixie who owns Kobai Laboratories, and the only fairy who could compete with Foley uh, with her technological innovations. So when Kobai, uh, she, they updated the LEP's weapons, and she secretly put a device that would turn off all their weapons, making them vulnerable to a goblin attack. Their plan is to blame Foley for the goblin uprising, and then Briar and Opal will save the day by bypassing Foley and activating her DNA cannons, destroying the goblins and gaining the support of the council and the fairies. Artemis, Butler, Holly, and Root, with the help of Mulch, break into Kobai Laboratories, reveal to Opal that Briar is going to betray her through a recording Foley captured of Briar when he was telling him his evil plan. And that tears them apart. And then the gang uh, uh, restores power to the LEP weapons and the DNA cannons, which destroy the goblins and save Haven City. Then Holly and Root help Artemis trick the Russian mafia, Russian mafia and save his father. Whew. So that is the first two books. Uh, quick recap. Anyway, in the movie, there will be no one-year difference. I believe that these events will happen simultaneously. <laughs> I talk so fast in the first segment. Okay, these events will happen seamlessly and simultaneously. 
So while the hostage situation is going on with Holly Short, so is the Kobai and Briar's plan to take over the LEP and the fairy underworld. So my guess is that the movie will start with Holly discovering goblins with the soft nose lasers and counterfeit batteries. Then it will go to Artemis in the Ho Chi Minh City looking for the book. During the hostage situation, the fairies will suspect Artemis is the guy controlling the goblins because he has so much knowledge about fairies and he believes they have something to do with his father's disappearance because they mention his father, which they know about because Foley has access to the human intelligence agencies. The mix-up will be solved when the Russians send Artemis the ransom note and fully scans Artemis's retinas, same as the books. But this will all happen during the hostage siege at Foul Manor. I don't think they're going to take him down to the underworld and do a whole thing. Uh, I also don't think Artemis will escape the biobomb through a sleeping pill. Um, the whole reason he believes the sleeping pill will work is because he tried it on his mother. So his mother is severely depressed after their father's disappearance and spends all her days in bed in an attic. Uh, when the time stop is initiated, he gives her a sleeping pill and she disappears. Uh, she's eventually cured for um, by her depression through Holly. Uh, Artemis makes a deal with Holly to return half of the ton of gold uh, to cure his mother. And I don't think any of this will happen. Uh, his mother might be sad, but I don't think she'll be delusionally depressed and locked in an attic. Uh, in the first book, Artemis Fowl is not enrolled in school because his mother uh, doesn't care, or not just doesn't care, she just is so delusional that she doesn't take care of him, and he wasn't forced to go to school. I don't think this will be the case. I think in the movie, he will always be enrolled in school. Uh, in my mind, she will most likely be gone on vacation in Nice, uh, which happens in the second book, and this will give Artemis the opportunity to skip school, go to Ho Chi Minh City, uh, capture Holly, and then go on the mission to save his father and also the fairies. I don't really think him getting the gold will be a big factor at all in the movie, especially um, after the logline that was given by Disney and saying that um, he might think that the fairies might be behind the disappearance of his father. So I don't think gold will play a huge moment at all. Um, I think once he realizes the fairies have nothing to do with his father's disappearance, they will real and then they will realize he has something to do with the goblins and they will team up from there. They will go directly to Paris, just like the books, where they will find the human uh, Luke Carrere. Uh, Briar has brainwashed this human with meth mesmer, and he's been mesmerized so many times his pupils are jagged. And Butler will go in, and he discovers that uh, Luke is the one trading the batteries, and once uh, Luke is arrested by human cops, the fairies will believe the threat is over, or at least contained, just like the book. And just like the book, they will go to Russia to try to save Artemis's father. Um, in the book, they are ambushed by goblins before they get to his father. And it's not until after they defeat Briar and Opal that they rescue his father. And that is the end of the book. I think that will be um, a bit anticlimactical for the movie. So the goblins will probably ambush after they rescue Artemis's father 
father. Um, that way, the Russian scene will all happen at once. Then they will escape the goblins、um, on a train, just like. The book, but unlike the book, I don't think Holly's finger will be cut off by the door. So that seems a bit too grim for a Disney movie.、Um, but yeah, when they are jumping on the train,、um, Holly's finger gets cut, and in the book, Artemis finds a way to save her finger by getting her to bury an oak seed、uh, that she is has hanging around her neck. So after the fowl hostage, she always keeps one on her. But since these two books are、uh, happening seamlessly, she will already be running hot with magic because of the acorn that fell in her boot during the capture. So in the first book, she takes the acorn and buries it in her cell, which renews her powers.、Uh, so there's no real need to do it again in Russia. So they'll probably just cut out the finger thing altogether. But just like the book, Briar and Opal will use Root's absence to take advantage、um, and start their evil plans. So the goblins will start attacking. Briar will lock Foley in his operation room,、uh, where he、um, so Foley is a super paranoid centaur, and he has his operation room、um, that ha- that he can only access, no one else can. But he lets Briar in to poke a few jabs and make fun of him a little bit. Which was his big mistake, because once Briar was in, he was able to take control and lock Foley in there, and he has no way to get out or proclaim his innocence. But Foley will manage to send a text to Artemis, and then the group will discover who is really behind the Goblin Revolution. They will then realize that they need to find Mulch because he is the only one who has broken into the Kobai Labs, all like the book. But in the first book, Mulch escapes after the fall siege by killing a rabbit and putting his iris cam into its eye to pretend that its vitals are his. So he、uh, knocks down a tunnel, kills a rabbit. They all think Mulch is dead because the rabbit dies.、Uh, he then takes some of the gold ransom that Holly has gotten back、uh, for curing、uh, Artemis's mother, and then he escapes to L.A. So in the Second book, Artemis and the gang they go to L.A. to find Mulch, and Mulch is living as a lavish penthouse、uh, millionaire dwarf, and、uh, he goes out at night to、uh, steal Academy Awards from famous celebrities,、um, actors, directors, whatever. And so,、uh, when he finally steals the last、uh, Academy Award that he needs.、Um, He、uh, goes back to his house and he finds、um, Artemis waiting for him, and yeah, then they capture him and take him to go break into the Kobai Labs. I don't think the LA scene at all will happen in the movie. Like, I think they're just gonna cut that completely out.、Uh, one, because I don't think the gold will be、uh, significant at all, or even a major factor in the movie. And two, I think it ruins the momentum of the movie. So, after Mulch helps、uh, them break into the Artemis's foul manor during the hostage siege, I think he might try to escape. They might put the rabbit. Thing in there, but somehow 
He'll get caught before he makes his plan to go to LA, and he'll end up in police custody. Um, Our heroes will probably have to go to the police station to break him out. Uh, I think this would be a good way to show the chaos that is happening um, at the police station during the Goblin Revolution. Because in the book, you see the chaos through the eyes of Corporal Trouble Kelp as he is in the midst of the fight. Uh, With movies, you don't really get to see the POV of side characters like that. So there needs to be a way to show the action through the main characters. So I'm guessing that Mulch is at the police station and they have to break him out. That's my guess. Um, and then after that, they will go directly to Opal Kobai's factory and uh, Mulch will show them the fissure, fissure um, that is in the rocks of the Kobe uh, labs because the um, it's, it's very secure um, laboratory and the only way in is through a fissure through the rocks that um, um, it expands uh, when it is cooling and so they will zip the shuttle through there and then mulch will tunnel up and give them a place where they can enter the laboratory just like the book so in the book, after Mulch helps them break into the labs, uh, Root has given him a deal where Mulch will get a two-day head start to escape, and that is probably where he will exit and leave. I don't think he's going to have a first escape breakout um, at all. Um, but yeah, once Briar and Opal are defeated, Holly will escort Artemis and Butler back home. And in the book she shoots a coin in the air and gives it to artemis as a thank you for him figuring out a way to give her her trigger finger back after it is cut by the train door in russia Uh, she says that without him uh, she would never have her finger back and never have the accuracy that she gets with having her real finger (laughs) uh, her trigger finger the finger that gives her her job um now i really hope they don't do this but i'm guessing they are gonna do this um they're probably gonna insinuate some kind of romantic spark between holly and artemis and i really hope they don't do this because interspecies love seems weird but i'm guessing that they will because every disney movie needs a little romance and that is probably the most likely couple Um, throughout the whole series there's no other real girl for artemis that i believe oh now i can't remember i don't think there's any other girl for real so um yeah i'm guessing um they might holly might give artemis a kiss on the cheek or something um but yeah I talked really, really fast there. I hope you guys uh, uh, kept up with me. Uh, But yeah, those are just my predictions. Uh, This is not necessarily what I want to happen. I would have liked them to keep the two books separate and just have the hostage be the main focus of the first film. I am one of those hopeless people that wish movie adaptations follow the book to a T, but that rarely ever or really 
never happens. So um, I'm guessing they're going to be making a lot of changes um, to make the story seem seamless between the two books. And I'm excited to see how they execute it because um, they might do a really good job. Uh, the book, there are some moments that don't aren't necessarily, they don't really translate cinematically. Uh, so um, regardless, they are going to have to make uh, changes. And I do hope though, that they keep the humor in the movie. Um, there are a lot of sly jokes in the movie, similar to Umbrella Academy, the Netflix uh, superhero show that I keep talking about. So in Umbrella Academy, when the superhuman dysfunctional family is at a bowling alley and they get ambushed, Klaus, the druggy brother, and oftentimes the comedic relief says, I don't think they're here for the birthday boy, making a nod to the birthday party that is also at the bowling alley and that kind of humor is also in the artemis fowl books so for example when they capture mulch from la he talks about how the lep caught him for selling a van gogh to a texan and then when he was transported in a shuttle it was the size of a mouse hole next to a troll and it stank something awful and then holly says that what that's what the troll said because dwarfs also smell it's, it's, I mean, it's not like a, like slap your knee humor. It's just like this sly few jokes in the midst of all the action. So then Root kind of butts in and says they don't have time for these antics and war stories. And then it gets them back to business. So yeah, um, I, I, now that I'm thinking about it, um, about the whole Holly and Artemis romantic factor, um, I think later on in one of the later series, Artemis does end up falling for a girl. I really don't remember, but that's like later on in the later books. Um, so I'm assuming there is going to be some spark between them. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I am super, super excited for, uh, this movie to come out. Like I said, it's been, what, um, 18 years in the making? And I'm wondering if it will... I don't think it could be the next Harry Potter. I don't think anything could really, really compare to the significance of that series and franchise on our pop culture. But I am hoping that Artemis Fowl will blow up and that... Um, yeah, and that it captures something with the um, young adult audience because it captured me very significantly when I was a child. Um, and yeah, I hope that Ferda um, Shaw, the guy that's playing Artemis, I hope he gets a million followers on Instagram as well as Laura McDonald. And I hope they follow the series out. Um, because there have been some failed book adaptations. Like I remember when Aragon, do any of you guys even remember that? Aragon, Aragon, it was a, um, it was also a book, fantasy book series, um, about a dragon riding hero. Uh, and yeah, the first movie just flopped so hard that they didn't even try to make a sequel and continue out the series. I really hope that doesn't happen for our Artemis Fowl. Uh, that would honestly really devastate me. Um, 
but yeah, uh, let me know if you guys are also excited about um, Artemis Fowl like I am. Like I said, uh, when I was growing up, Harry Potter was always the cult classic. Artemis Fowl was kind of a book that was... Um, not as popular it was kind of in obscurity um but yeah if you want um because I do reference a lot of stuff in part one uh kind of you know I reference like you know the Disney's official log line and all the actors that are mentioned in um in uh the cast of Artemis Fowl and uh you know the book sales of Harry Potter versus Artemis Fowl all those things um, they will be available on my Patreon. Um, I always uh, do a, a, a post of all the reference links that I make during this podcast. So if you want to dive deeper with me, um, you can just go to patreon.com slash days. All right, so we're going to end the podcast now. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Honestly, I think this is one of my favorite episodes of the podcast that I've made just because I have loved this series so much and I'm so glad to be rereading it. Um, I've been rereading it so fast. Like I finished the first two books like this week, which is like honestly shocking for me as an adult because I take forever to finish reading books now. Uh, but yeah, maybe I'll do an update um, Artemis Fowl podcast, maybe whenever the movie comes out or whenever I finish reading all eight books. But until then, um, love y'all. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a daisyish day. Hello, my poetry enthusiast field daisies. So since we are talking about Artemis Fowl, and um, this has been a childhood classic, um, it has been in my life for as long as I have had memory, um, I can't even remember when I first read it, it has just been ingrained in my being for so long, I want to recite a poem that was the first poem I ever learned and ever memorized and ever recited, uh, and that is Sweetness by Stephen Dunn. So Sweetness by Stephen Dunn is about the sweetness of falling in love and how that uh, can quickly be taken away and how it, he doesn't care. He doesn't care um, that this 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 thing, this love, um, might one day be taken away, whether by death or by breakup or whatever. He doesn't care because um, it's sweet. And no matter what bitter road it has traveled, it still tastes good. So yeah, without further ado. Sweetness by Stephen Dunn. Just when it has seemed I couldn't bear One more friend waking with a tumor One more maniac with a perfect reason Often a sweetness has come and changed Nothing in the world except the way I stumbled through it For a while lost in the ignorance of loving Someone or something 
the world shrunk to mouth size, hand size, and never seeming small. I acknowledge there is no sweetness that doesn't leave a stain, no sweetness that's ever sufficiently sweet. Tonight, a friend called to say his lover was killed in a car he was driving. His voice was low and guttural. He repeated what he needed to repeat, and I repeated the one or two words we have for such grief until we were speaking, only in tones. Often, a sweetness comes as if on loan, stays just long enough to make sense of what it means to be alive, then returns to its dark source. As for me... I don't care where it's been or, or what bitter road it's traveled. To come so far. To taste so good. <laughs>